You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again for another Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you. And I must say, this is a really interesting chat if you love your early childhood education and STEM education, mashing it together. And I must say, Laurie Professor Marilyn Flair, who's joining us, really, really knows this. She's done a lot of research when it comes to STEM education, STEM concepts, and young children, educators, and families. She's coming from Monash University, and she's been working on Conceptual Play World, which is an imaginary scenario created by an educator where young children are invited to go on an imaginary journey and meet and solve challenges, and in the, in the process, learn STEM concepts. Really, really cool and highly playful, and I must say, really rewarding for educators as well as the kids. So uh, really looking forward to this chat. I really hope you enjoy this uh, chat with Marilyn because she's really got a really, really great background and a really great take when it comes to education in the early years. Let's head on in. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 Free Experiments. Marilyn, welcome to the Phys Ed Podcast. Oh, thanks so much for inviting me to come along today to, to chat with you. Oh, look, I've been really looking forward to this because we've been hanging out for quite a while now, but on Twitter. And so I actually get to meet you in person. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing how you can make these fantastic connections through Twitter and all sorts of social platforms. So it's wonderful to meet you, Ben, and, and, and this is great to have this chance to chat. Absolutely. It's a Friday afternoon. We just, so just hang out for a little while, hey? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Talk oh, STEM. <laughs> well, yeah, talk STEM. Why not? We talk STEM whenever, whenever we can. <laughs> but it's a, but definitely so. Look, hey, um, so I know you, but other people, well, don't know you. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so, so tell us, what, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> I would love to tell you that. Sure. Um, so I'm Marilyn. And um, I'm in Melbourne in Australia and, um, and I run what's called a conceptual play lab and that's at Monash University in the Faculty of Ed. Um, and it's a, a, it's a big research program that we have that's designed to support um, early childhood educators and early years educators in schools to, to really engage in STEM, science, technology, engineering, not so much on the M, but some of my colleagues are, but mostly science, technology, engineering, uh, because there's just too little work out there. And I guess, I guess that's that's who I am. I come to um, this area from a background of working with young children, and um, and have had, I guess. Um, um, many years, I won't tell you when I started, <laughs> many years of, of teaching and then being in higher education and then now in a research role in this conceptual play lab, which is funded by the Australian Research Council. Oh, fantastic. So, so when did that get started? Well, the, the actual play lab, we, hmm. we launched in um, 2019 mm -hmm. and it's uh, for, for five years and the Australian Research Council funded it through um, through a process, uh, really an interesting process because um, you put in an, your, your university puts in an application because they, 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 they like 
this particular funding <laughs> yes. um, because because it's um it's it's a laureate fellowship funding so it's quite special and um and there's only been like I'm the second one in education so it doesn't normally go to education so we're so excited but we're even more excited because it's gone to an area you know the birth to eight years of age it's gone to the the educators and the teachers who work in that space essentially to support and grow stem so we haven't been going for long but we've been i think we've been kicking a few goals <laughs> which is great well that's a fantastic I mean, I'd, I'd love to know i mean I mean, there's lots of playgrounds, but yours is conceptual. So what, what makes it conceptual? <laughs> All right, that's a great question. Well, what we have is um, because we know that um, the research tells us that that sometimes there are groups of teachers who, who might feel a little uncomfortable in, um, in STEM so um, and might, might think that they're um, not competent and therefore don't feel um, confident to teach STEM and so I was curious about this because I've been seeing this kind of message out in the literature for um, a really long time like 20 years and more and nothing's changed and so I thought well what is the problem and and I thought it's actually not the teachers the problem the problem is actually we don't have the right teaching models to support um, the early childhood educators and teachers who work in play-based settings. So it's a little different to more formal settings. And, um, and so we don't have, haven't had the right tools. So we did, well, over, over about 10 years, I did a series of research projects. And what came out of that was this conceptual play world. And, um, and a conceptual play world is it builds on teacher strengths because early childhood educators are fantastic observers of children. They know how to design um, really amazing um, play-based programs. And usually they really like literature. You know, they're really good storytellers and story readers and can do these great and exciting things with books. But the area that um, of STEM can sometimes take second fiddle. And so we thought, well, let's, this research showed that when we when we actually think about a story, such as the story of Robin Hood, um, and we create a, a STEM play world of Robin Hood, where STEM concepts um, serve the, the children's play, that the children get excited and, and really get a buzz out of it, because we know, of course, that children really get excited by STEM anyway. But the educators, the teachers get really excited as well because it's it's it fits with their strengths. So it's a credit-based model of teaching. And um, and that's so that's kind of and I can tell you the characteristics. Yeah, <laughs> oh, please. Oh, okay, great. So, um, so the model itself has five characteristics and educators use those characteristics to plan a conceptual play world. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll tell you the five characteristics and then I'll um, um, illustrate one. I'll, I'll go with the Robin sure. Hood one. So, um, so there's five characteristics. One is choosing a really uh, great story and uh, one that's not, not a fiction, not a, not a book that's about facts, but a, but a really nice book that's got a great story in it. There's some excitement in it. There's some drama in it. And um, so that's the first characteristic is really thinking about the, the story that can lend itself to go on adventures day after day after day. Uh, and then the second characteristic is to design a, a really a beautiful imaginary situation 
And in that imaginary situation, it's like jumping into the story. So you jump into the story and you be part of the stories, but you create this imaginary situation. So you, you know, the playground outside can become um, um, can become Robin Hood's um, forest. You know, it can be um, it, it can be the castle can be there and the sheriff can be around. You know, so you can create this imaginary world. And so that's the second characteristic. So and the third characteristic is. Um, that the teachers plan for is thinking about how do you go into the imaginary place situation together as a whole group of 25, 30 children and how do you exit it? So having some sort of technique. So um, in, the, in the example of Robin Hood, um, the fort became the um, time machine and everybody jumped into the time machine and went, you know, five, four, three, two, one, boom, and off they went back in time to the time of Sherwood Forest and Robin Hood. So they, and of course, when they had to leave, when it was time to leave, they went, of course, back into the time machine, and then they were back in their classroom or their centre. Um, so that's that's um, another part of the. But then you're probably thinking, well, what about the STEM concepts? Well. The next characteristic, the fourth one, is planning what might be the STEM concept that's going to make the play more exciting. So, in other words, creating more drama, and and we know we know that in the story of Robin Hood, there's there is the drama of you know the poor villagers starving to death because they've you know they've been taxed so heavily, and there's you know the wicked old sheriff has got all the treasure in the uh, castle. So, setting up the problem of well, how do we get the treasure out of the castle? So what what kind of machine might we have to design and what kind of escape plan might we have to um, create so that we can we can go into the into the castle retrieve the treasure and escape and then give, give the gold back to the villagers so that's kind of an example of a problem that could arise and which would need engineering principles to um, to actually look at the kind of science to understand a bit more about force to work with pulleys because you know that castles have got all sorts of things that are interesting for engineers to explore um, and um, and then the last characteristic the fifth one is planning planning the, the educator roles. So for instance, um, in early childhood settings where there are often more than one staff member with a group of children, then having the two educators, the two teachers, or, or it could be in the school with a parent who comes in regularly to help, planning what role they're going to take. So are they going to dress up as the castle engineer one week and the, the children will go into the, um, into the time machine, go back in time, and they meet the castle engineer, and they learn learn how you know how to, to get around or how to use the pulley system um, in order to um, you know to get into the castle, and um, and then how to jump back out of it and go go back into real time and and develop a plan to take back to the castle engineer next time you visit that imaginary play world. So it's kind of thinking through what the role will be, and so these are the five characteristics. But the, the, the key point is that the drama of the story is what engages the children, but the um, STEM concepts is what deepens their play because as they learn more STEM knowledge, they learn more engineering principles they, and, and they you know, bring in or look at you know, planned views and uh, cross sections and so on that we often see in books, but actually how to design and, and build little mini prototypes of castles or a, um, uh, some sort of machine to go with uh, to go into the castle. Then, then there's all this rich 
learning that's going on. But in the children's mind, they're, they're exploring those concepts to service their play. So for very young children, they just get so excited. And when they get that excited, the educators and the teachers just love it because it uh, really engages them. So, so that's our model, our conceptual play world model. Um, and, and our research is showing, showing is that it's, it's working really well. Oh, why wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm just going to say, I was listening to it. I mean, it's just—it's kind of captivating listening to it, I must say. Uh, but I mean, I mean, kids love stories. Let's be honest, and they love immersing, and more importantly, they love creating the story. And uh, I'm just sort of thinking about. I mean, the challenge is, is children in science. Children have a lot of different interesting conceptions of how the world is, and very little scaffold. And mm. so, I guess the the challenge with I me mean, from you know, from a pure STEM approach, trying to work out, well, when do we help and when do we stand back mm. when, when we're doing those type of things how do we do that when we're dealing with really young ones yeah it's a really fantastic question ben because um the role of the educator the teacher is so important in this because you're quite right is getting this balance between when to be the teacher mm. and when to be the person that learns alongside the children and when to be the follower because sometimes and that's part of the planning of the the fifth characteristic planning the role of the educator because because sometimes it's really good especially if you've got two two teachers in the same room with a group of children um, it's really nice when one can be with the children and 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 modeling question asking so they can say oh but I don't understand how that pulley works. What are those funny things there? What are they called? You know, oh, they're cogs, you know. And so um, you, you, you can have this interplay between adults, but you can also have then your modelling to the children how to notice and how to ask questions. So if one, and, and we've got this special name that we call these different positions that, that the educators take. And so our research is showing this is really important as well. So to answer your question as succinctly as I can, we have, we have this uh, where the teachers are in the equal position with the children. So they say things like, oh, can we solve this problem together? Um, how can we do this together? And so that's kind of the equal position. And the children can say, well, yes, let's try and do this together. Um, let's, and, and so they'll role play, you know, going out into the, to, to the, um, into the imaginary situation and exploring something, you know, that's been set up. And then there's this other position, which is um, the, um, the under position, which is where the teacher um, will say, I wasn't here. Um, yesterday when you did all of that that beautiful modeling how did, how did you do it you know I, I can see that you've made a castle and I can see that there's a little drawbridge here and you've got a bit of a string here but how did you how did you work this out and so then the children go into the above position and they share what they know but even in the role play this can happen as well because they can be out be out in the um in the um in the actual Sherwood Forest and meet the and meet the castle engineer under stealth and um, the castle engineer is secretly telling them the story of how you know what the floor plans are like so that so therefore the engineer is in the above position because that's the teacher and um, and so with very young children we often hear things like especially if they've dressed up to look like an engineer a stereotypical engineer the children say is that is that really so-and-so or, 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 you know, like they, they start to think, is it the teacher or is it really the engineer? They, yeah. they, they get to a point where they forget and they really embrace the story so much and believe it so much. Um, and so they, these are the different roles. And I'll give you a really nice example. <laughs> One time 
um, when we were doing this research with this particular example, so I'll state, I'll state a script with the, with the Robin Hood. Um, one of the teachers was sitting in the classroom with the children, you know, at group time, and they were sort of recapping on the day and saying they were going to, you know, visit um, um, Sherwood Forest, and the children were all getting excited. And, um, and, and just before they started, they said, oh, where's our other teacher, Olivia? Olivia, our other teacher, she's not here. Um, and she wasn't. She came running in through the door um, with a hat on and she's and pretending to be Fry Tuck. And she said, oh, I've got a message for you. So she was in role in the classroom. So she wasn't back in time. She'd come to visit. And she said, oh, I've got a message for you from the from the um, um, the dragon, because the, because at that stage, the children have created a few more characters, as you do, you know, when you mm -hmm. when you revisit the story over time. And um, especially because they were discussing plan view and being, you know, um, dragons flying over castles, in addition to doing, you know, doing the usual Google, uh, uh, doing the Google Earth and, and checking out actual real castles. <laughs> yeah. um, so you had these things happening concurrently. But anyway, back in the classroom, Friar Tuck, um, Olivia, comes in and, and says, I've got this letter. So she had a piece of paper and around the edges of the paper, she'd obviously um, uh, put a little bit of a flame to it so it looked old. And then she'd, she'd scripted a, a message saying that the you know from the dragon saying that you know, the dragon was upset was getting hungry and was really worried and couldn't get out can please come and help me so it set up a little drama within the story and um and so that's a really nice example of teachers um, taking on all these different kinds of roles in the role play. And of course, the children then immediately wanted to help. And we know, you know, we know for sure that, that this is really these social issues of helping is really important, particularly as the world is at the moment. And so the children were really excited to want to help the dragon to get the dragon out. And so they had to, you know, to, to do a whole lot of additional STEM work. So, so you can see how the educators might take on all these different kinds of roles where they're above as the normal teacher in the above position, or they're being the castle engineer in the above position, you know, um, giving instructions or whatever it might be. They can be in the under position where they, they're asking the children for help and, um, and they can be in the equal position. But there's one other position that we found was really important as well. And that was the, it's called, it's got a funny name, it's called the primordial we position. And, and what that means is it's like, it's, like, it's the, like the mother and the baby connected by the umbilical cord. So it's where the adult and the child are like a one unit. And for children who are um, feeling a little anxious, um, children who um, may have some language challenges, um, you know, children who need extra support in, and, and of course, you know, educators have a broad range of children and there's always someone who needs extra support. Then the teacher and the child can be together. So in this example um, of Robin Hood, we, there was one child who had difficulties with language expression and, um, and the teacher became mummy dragon um, in the role play and the child became baby dragon and they sat together and they did everything together and so mummy dragon helped a baby dragon and baby dragon loved it because baby dragon had a really important role <laughs> in the in the story but could hang on to mummy and then venture out and and could tell mummy something that mummy could tell the group so um so it, it was just really beautiful so just the all these different roles that educators take in the in this conceptual play world of the jumping into the story and living the STEM problems and, and in creating the STEM solutions. 
Well, it strikes me as something that, I mean, I love the, the fact that you call it a conceptual playground because it's completely about concept rather than materials. I mean, yeah, of course you could have materials. I mean, that would help augment what you're doing, but you don't need it. It's, no. just men, it's a mental construct, it's which totally. means, which means as long as you're authentic in the selling of the story, they're in. If you, Absolutely. Uh, which I'm guessing that that's probably, probably the double-edged sword. If you want to do this type of thing, you better be enrolled in it or it's not going to fly. <laughs> Oh, and, you know, and that's so true because I think in the early days, our research showed us that um, teachers, that was the bit that, that you spot on, that some of the teachers got into it really quickly because they were just that kind of teacher that loved drama and didn't mind being a character in the story, playing along with the children. And instead of having the traditional, you know, this is our one hour of science teaching, this was this was about creating this play world that you visited and they were just in role enjoying this experience. <laughs> and in fact, sometimes the children um, position the teachers in the normal um, everyday activities of the classroom, they would position the teachers in character. So they'd make them. So for, for example, um, when um, um, one of the routines for entering into the, into the um, time machine was to sort of, you know, traditionally go to the door and line up, but they did this beep, beep, beep noise. And um, so, and then they'd go off into the time machine and off they'd go. But um, what was really interesting was that the children loved this so much that they'd be in the middle of, um, you know, something completely different and what a child would go beep, 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 and they'd all rush off and go into the imaginary play world and the teachers would have to follow and try and bring them back. But they did that beautifully because as they gained more experience of the drama of it, they would then go into character and they'd say, they'd say things like, I'm, you know, they'd, you know, signal that they were being the dragon flying ahead of the children saying, stop, I'm going to use my, um, my superpowers here to bring you all back because we still have this other activity we have to finish before we can visit the play world. So they can take on the character um, and work with the children that way. But it was, you, you're so right, the, the, you, have to, you have to feel comfortable to do that kind of dramatisation. And, and you're also right, you don't need any materials because this is all premised on, um, on a, a particular view of play that comes from uh, the work of Lev Vygotsky and, you know, people have studied Vygotsky in their uh, degrees at some point, I'm sure, <laughs> and so it'll be ringing some bells. But the, but the view of play is that play is the creation of this imaginary situation. And in the imaginary situation, you, you look at something, you look at a stick, and the stick becomes the, um, the hobby horse, and then you become the rider. And so, so you can make the stick become anything you want it to be in the imaginary play. And, but that doesn't mean you don't, have, you don't need other resources. So of course, when they were studying, when they were studying Sherwood Forest and they were looking at castles and things, you know, they needed access to, they needed access to the internet, they needed access to resources, you know, that so, but they, but they weren't complex resources. They were things that were already in the school. They even roped in the computer technician in the school to come and help them and be a character so that when they went back in time, they could meet this character who just dressed up and, and um, was part of the, the situation, but uh, part of the imaginary situation. But, but what the teachers also learned that over time, they didn't even need to dress up. They just had to make the sounds or the noises of yeah. the character and all the children knew. And so they, they responded to the teachers, not as teachers, but as play partners. 
And, um, and that was actually um, giving the children more space to talk about what they know, to, to take more risks um, and to try out new ideas in relation to the problem they were trying to solve. And, and then they embodied those concepts. You know, they, they started to be chains and they started to be cogs and they, they, they embodied, you know, how does a pulley work and, and, you know, and so on and so forth. But they also made little models and things. So they tested out, you know, when, um, um, you know, the different load, you know, need a different kind of force and therefore how could you relieve, you know, there were all these interesting things that they could talk about and do. But, you know, it was just really exciting for, for them. 100%. materials needed. <laughs> oh, I can totally say. I mean, I mean, you're actually sending me back to my childhood. I was just reminiscing in my brain, thinking about well, there was this pile of trees that had been knocked over by a bulldozer in, in my grandfather's property. And um, you know, they had to had to clear that area <laughs> safely, correctly, all the rest. But uh, <laughs> the whole point was um, that we, we, I remember as kids, and I think it was right up to like 10, 11 years old, something like that. We, that, that was actually the pirate ship. And the, oh, and, the, and the whole thing was that we always go back to you know, the grandfather's place and we're going to go play on the pirate ship. And mm -hmm. over time, this thing rotted over years and years till eventually. And we finally grew up. And sometimes it's a bit sad when you think about we grew up in some ways, but it, it happens. But I mean, when you're talking about, you know, the stick, the stick means a lot of things to every single person in every single culture around the globe. Absolutely. It <laughs> so does. And you know what's also really beautiful about the stick is that um, I often use that example when I'm talking to people who are a bit dubious about, well, how does, how does this imagination in play connect to imagination in STEM? And I, I say that when, when a child can, can look at something and imagine it to be something else and have new actions, that's exactly what they do when they're engaged in STEM. Because uh, if you take the, if we use the M for mathematics, if we take the stick and we call it a ruler, we have to imagine standard units. Yeah. And this is an, a big idea in mathematics. And, you know, that's exactly the same as taking the stick and it being a hobby horse. So children who develop the capacity to imagine a stick being whatever you want it to be or a spoon being, you know, a digging stick and you're an archaeologist or it becomes a pretend hand lens or it, it, it's, um, it's, it's reflecting some light, you know, ex, you know, a pretend experiment or whatever it might be, then, then that changing of the meaning of that object is so important. And, um, and we know from the research in this very young period that imagination is in play is is the critical foundation for imagination in stem so our research in the conceptual play lab is all about it was all about imagination in stem and imagination in play and um and and i guess in many respects the teachers play with the ideas the children experience that we as researchers have a really great time doing it all and uh, uh, but it is very, very powerful. And you're quite right. Uh, the stick can be anything you want it to be. And the, what you bring from your cultural background to it, it will, will come alive in the imaginary situation. So you've got this play lab. It's clearly humming. Like it's clearly, it's clearly, <laughs> clearly working. And at some point, you know, funding stops and things go on. Uh, how could people, you know, pick this up and take it? And go with it i mean how do they interact with you and the researchers in some way to be able to actually i mean i mean you often see these really great initiatives and they're, they're boxed up sometimes and people don't even know they even exist let alone can interact so what can they do i mean i'm kind of jumping the gun sometimes but how on earth would they find out do do all that sort of thing where would they go oh that's great ben thank you for asking that question because um we we um 
we are trying to, um, we have this amazing website and that will go beyond the life of the beyond the life of the funding um, because it's embedded within the Faculty of Education at Monash. So it will always be there. And on that website, uh, all these um, fantastic you can download a, an app, uh, free apps on your phone, regardless of what platform. And it has video clips of those of children and teachers working together on those five characteristics so that you can use it as a planning tool back in the school, back in the centre. Um, so that's just one part of it. We also have, um, as part of um, on the website, we have um, uh, documents that people can download, which are little examples of what we call a pop-up play world, where you can do this just in a morning. So if you're wanting to put your foot into the, you know, into this little spot, a little baby step in, um, we have lovely examples of things you can do, um, planning sheets that people can just download for free. Everything we do is for free because it's funded by the Australian Research Council and we want that material out there and being used. Um, but we also, uh, as part of what we're doing is that um, we have the these um, um, self-paced professional development and on fully online. So if anybody's interested, and we'd love to have you involved, um, it's it's important on in two ways. One, it's professional development that takes you through how to design and set up your own play world in your classroom or your centre. And, and then you jump back on again and, and you do reflections. And But there's also private um, Facebook so that as you're doing this, you can, you can ask a question or post an image or post something that... Um, um, you know, you want some help with. And there's a, a fantastic, you know, over a thousand people on this who are contributing and helping each other. But I always jump on and so does the, my colleagues from the PlayLab team. So if you jumped on tomorrow and you said, how do I do X? Well, there'll be somebody who will help you. Um, so we've got that as, um, as well. And, but, you know, in this time of a pandemic and particularly in different um, communities where people are stuck at home and wondering what to do with their children <laughs> in the learning from home at the moment. Um, we also have, um, uh, we're also working on a, a on a um, two, two things. One of our fantastic PhD students, um, Sharon McCormack, has got this wonderful online uh, self-paced um, activities that she posts every week now for, for parents who want to do some STEM with their children, a conceptual play world at home with their children. But we also have um, um, projects in Sydney and other places where we have people who are working with families to do play worlds in their home. And if anybody's a family daycare educator, we're going to be offering what we call our VIP professional development where people might want to join us and we have a, a digital storyteller who um, who tunes into people's homes and does does the play world over a week with um, family daycare educators so they bring their children to the screen and our um, and the storyteller tells the story and sets up the problem and then the next day they have a chat about you know what they created and um, and then the next day another problem arises and so on and so forth so we've got all those things to support families as well so there's heaps and heaps of materials there so so just jump onto our website and learn more and join join our group our twitter everything <laughs> absolutely and as usual we always put those links in the show notes but if you're just going what was that thing and you're walking around and just type in conceptual play lab put monash and you'll find said links and in in you go this is the easiest way actually i was just thinking like so this is up to eight years old right so i mean the problem is i suppose is eventually this breaks down 
um, if for some kids, some not, some whatever. But there's a if if you think about like the role playing importance. I mean, I know I'm, I'm again I'm a high school trained. I know we do role playing in in the upper years, but it's done in a slightly different way. But you were talking about you know, you know above position, below position, and all the rest. These positions, I think, is what's really fundamental to what this is about in some ways. There, there, there's the concept, and the we're going to work out work with this indirect idea that this sticks, so to speak, is now a different thing. But it seems to me it's the way that the educator works with the student eventually, and then you wrap the stem around it. Um, so is I mean, it is there a point where you know what this age group needs a completely different way to deal with it? I mean, I know, I know, I know. Is that, I mean, the research is very much for the younger ones, but kind of like just just even just going off gut feel. Like, yeah. Uh, well, I think um, when when you think about that, um, the senior years, you know, what, what's meaningful for them? Of course, is personal relationships, mm. and um, and they want to be friends. They want to be with want to be with their friends and do things. So uh, and and. You know there are fantastic stories for older, um, for older people. For older people, yes. <laughs> I'm not used to dealing with secondary, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, older students, um, secondary students. They're fantastic stories that they would enjoy. And if 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 you were to even just finish a finish a, or even begin a um, an exp a science lesson, just capturing the essence of a story then I would think you could really, um, and I'm, I'm just trying to remember there was a, I did read a paper where somebody used play, role play with secondary students and they said it was really, really captivating, particularly for the students who, whose first language wasn't English. And, um, and they said it was really, really helpful for them, but, but all of them got really excited, motivated because they were role-playing a story that they all liked, but they brought in their home experiences and they enriched the story. And, then the, and, the, and when they were playing, when they were doing whatever the experiment was, I can't remember what it was now, there was a set experiment and set concepts that had to be learned that period but um the story was what drove the um, um and made meaning of the science experience mm. so and i can't remember what it was but it you know it was something as simple as as pretending you were working with potions or something like that and then it was a chemistry lesson i wish if i'd known you were going to ask me this question nah, I but i mean I just it was more amusing is just as good as like yeah, that yeah. as well. But I mean, it was actually reminding me there was a, a past guest. Gosh, it's a while ago now. I don't know, maybe, maybe a little while ago. Gillian uh, King Cargill. I think she's at a Northern Illinois University. I hope I got that right. Sorry, Gillian. Uh, but uh, she does this uh, project, uh, which a lot of places emulate this, which is STEM reads, and um, they look at things like Jurassic Park, and they really go, well, what's what's correct? What's not mm -hmm. so correct and all the rest and kids kids then construct um you know yeah. meaning out of these, these yeah. texts uh and i suppose if you wrap around role play into that as well you've then you've got yourself quite a spicy mix for Absolutely. learning stem it's yeah I, I i love the sound of that you tell jillian <laughs> <laughs> to, to take the next step <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's awesome look marilyn thank you so much for popping on the podcast now you did actually mention um uh, twitter so i am actually going to pick on you and then there's what is your Twitter handle so people can find you directly? Sure. It's just Marilyn Flair, F-L-E-E-R. Very okay. simple. Very easy. And yes, I put that in the show notes and you always can find that. Look, thank you so much. Thank you for hanging out with me on a Friday afternoon. It <laughs> is almost the end of the week, but let's be honest as educators, 
Is there an end of the week? No, that's a concept that's indirect. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, dear, dear. Well, thank you so much. Have a fantastic afternoon. Thanks so much, Ben. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more. It is really worth checking out the conceptual play world. So head on over to the website. That is monash.edu forward slash conceptual hyphen play world. And as usual, we put those links in the show notes. And by the way, when you're looking in the show notes, check out the Play Lab podcast, which brings together snapshots of research findings into early childhood education, STEM learning, and play as it's happening. So very well worth checking that out. So uh, look, I hope you enjoyed this chat. And I really love diving into early education because this is really important. This is where the journey begins when it comes to STEM and understanding about our world. So that's enough of this particular episode. But thank you very much for listening in. And uh, You've been listening to me, Ben Newsom from Physics Education. This is the Physics Ed Podcast, and I hope to catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed Podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au